Hello, everybody, and welcome back yet again to another episode of the Nailed It Ortho podcast. And in particular, you are tuned into our OITE review series, and we are on sports now. And this is featuring myself. I'm Dr. Cole and Dr. Spencer Woolwine. We are uh, doing this OITE review. So let's just kind of hop on into it. We hope you enjoy this episode. And again, if you have not already, please go ahead and subscribe to our podcast and then follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That is the trifecta at Nailed It Ortho. Okay, enjoy. You are now listening to Nailed It, the orthopedic surgery podcast featuring doctors Jay Fitz and Wendell Cole. So just uh, continuing on on general sports medicine, um, say, for example, you know, you're you're covering a, a football game and, you know, it's middle of July. It's, it's warm outside, you know, 90 some degrees out again, some good old fashioned uh, football going on. And, uh, you know, you have a football player that comes to you, you feel his pulse. He's, he's tachycardic. He's breathing. He's breathing pretty quick. So he's tachypnic. Uh, we can barely get any palpable pulses on him. He has anhydrosis and some neurological deficits. Uh, what what are you? What's higher your differential? Uh, so heat stroke is uh, going to be the most concerning thing. I mean, dehydration you can usually treat, but it's when the heat stroke happens and they are not acting like themselves. They're uh, starting to develop actually a decreased ability to sweat and neurologic deficits, like you said, um, that those are the uh, athletes that you're rapidly cooling their body core temperature with, um, I mean, external means, uh, you're hydrating them, you're uh, also infusing them with uh, cooled IV fluids, and you're sending them to the ER as well. I mean, that's, I mean, that's a big concern. Like right now here in Fresno, it's uh, supposed to be like 110, 111 today. So it's that, it gets uh, that hot out there. I know it got that hot yeah. out there. Yeah, yesterday it was like it was 111. So <laughs> is it just uh, dry heat or is it is it like humid heat? Uh, no, it's very dry. Yeah, yeah, there's there's zero humidity. So it's it's not horrible if you're just kind of out doing uh not strenuous stuff <laughs> uh like i just graduated so i was outside drinking beer <laughs> so that wasn't really a, a, a big strenuous activity for me but yeah. um yeah a lot of the the club sports the baseball like you said the football where they're i mean you have athletes running around uh you want to be out uh, on the lookout for heat stroke and and have a low threshold to to getting these kids uh treated with rapid cooling of the core body temp um, yeah. And then uh, uh, say you have an athlete uh, with dizziness, nausea, headache, and a possible collapse while running a long distance race, and they're drinking specifically a lot of water. What are you uh, concerned about? Yeah. So that's like the classic vignette of uh, somebody that has exercise induced hyponatremia, where their sodium less levels are uh, less than 135, you know. They'll say, oh, you know, they're running this marathon. You know, they've been stopping. Hey, doc, I've been stopping every stop, uh, um, you know, hydrating and they're drinking a lot of water. And again, just like you just said, they show up, they may be a little dizzy, nausea, have a headache. And then or you, or you see somebody collapse while they're running. 
um, you know, we'll get into the other causes of collapse or some cardiac issues in a bit. But, you know, one of the things when you have that specific history uh, from the patient is you want to consider exercise induced hyponatremia. Now, moving forward and talking about some, I guess you could say supplements or, 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 or other uh, substances that are commonly used in the sports world. Uh, what is creatine? So uh, what does creatine do? And uh, what are some of the side effects of creatine? So creatine is actually, I believe, the most studied uh, supplement out there. And uh, what it can do uh, is it's really it's a it's a chemical derived from glycine, arginine and methionine. And it's a, a muscle and power building supplement that is not an anabolic steroid. And it, the, the mechanism of how it works is that it's, uh, uh, that the creatinine is converted to phosphocreatine, which then acts as a source of ATP for the muscle. Um, like we know from the anaerobic glycolysis, you have either your ATP or your, uh, uh, phosphocreatine, your CP or uh, PC, um, that can give a phosphate molecule molecule to ADP to create ATP for more uh, peak muscle uh, force and increased work for anaerobic uh, uh, muscle contraction. And it's the most commonly used, it's the most commonly studied uh, supplement. And uh, the the problem with it is that it can create a theoretical risk for dehydration because as it in, increases the amount of phosphocreatine in the cells, the cells have to uh, auto-regulate in some way. And um, with more substance inside the cell, in order for it to regulate with homeostasis, it's going to pull more water into the cells and out of the uh, vessels. So there's a risk for dehydration is not that common, but you can see cramps from the dehydration, uh, increased muscle injury, and that's mostly related to uh, the more uh, active people are when they're taking creatine supplements versus when they're not. And then uh, there is a rare cases of renal insufficiency, but not uh, entirely uh, common. So um, uh, creatine is still allowed by uh, the kind of NCAA and I think the the Olympic Committee, but uh, it's definitely with any of these supplements, if an athlete comes to you talking about, hey, I want to start this or that um, with any sort of testing that goes on or whatever, you have to let them know that it's kind of on them. They have to be the ones responsible for looking at what's in the label and looking at what's in the supplements that they're putting into their bodies, because it's uh, the argument of, Oh, it, it just said creatine on the, on the side of the bottle. I didn't know that there was a stimulant in there or this or that it's uh, yeah. it's, that's not going to fly. So uh, creatine is still allowed. It is still legal, but um, just be cognizant of the supplements you're putting into your body. And then, Uh, Moving on to banned substances, (laughs) how do steroids uh, increase muscle mass and what are some of the side effects of that? 
Yeah, so you know these banned substances that you uh, that you hear about, you know, definitely uh, with sports and uh, you know uh, boxing and uh, and and uh, especially right now the Olympics and stuff are going on, so they always have testing for steroids. Uh, but you know, steroids increases uh, muscle mass by increasing mRNA, and it can have a lot of uh, a lot of different side effects. Uh, but you know, cardiac side effects is you can have decreased HDL, so that's an important part. You have decreased um, uh, HDL. You can have left ventricular hypertrophy. Uh, these patients get can get hypertensive and get hypertension. Um, acne. These patients can have increased aggression, testicular atrophy. Uh, they can also be in a hypercoagulable state, as well as uh, hair loss is uh, one of the side effects of of steroids. So, uh, you know, as far as a cardiac uh, standpoint, just know there's a decrease in HDL. You can have a left ventricular hypertrophy and then hypertension as well. Now, um, since we're, we we're talking a little bit earlier about um, heat stroke and uh, before that, we're talking about, you know, a patient possibly collapsing and, you know, a long distance runner drinking a lot of water. And we talked about exercise induced hyponatremia. Now, what are the two most common causes of sudden cardiac death in athletes? Yeah, so most common is uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, and that's an autosomal dominant uh, disorder uh, gets passed along. Um, if you hear murmurs in the uh, kind of uh, preseason uh, physical exam, uh, they need further workup with an EKG and an echo. Um, I know that we're not always the most astute at picking <laughs> up murmurs because it's, yeah. I, I mean, it really doesn't fall in, in our practice, but um, getting a good history, if a kid is talking to you and he's like, yeah, you know, my, my uncle, uh, like I remember my dad talking about my uncle who, uh, he just he just collapsed when he was 25 while uh, playing sports or something. It's like that's I mean an indication where you're you're kind of honing into this hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and being treated by a, a cardiologist. And then uh, the second one is commotio cordis, and um, so hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is really one where uh, an athlete will collapse. Um, while completing uh, high-intensity exercise or high-intensity athletics, uh, whereas commotio cordis is uh, due to ch direct chest wall trauma. So they will either get a helmet to the chest, a baseball to the chest, uh, a shoulder to the chest, like you said, in like rugby or something like that. And um, that chest wall trauma is enough to... <clears throat> essentially kind of reverse defibrillate the heart and from a normal sinus rhythm into ventricular fibrillation. And so uh, the uh, treatment for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is really just a cessation of all athletics and high intensity exercise and continuous monitoring. Whereas commotio cordis, because it's such an uh, acute um, thing that happens, you're starting compressions until you can get a defibrillator and time to defibrillation is the uh, key for uh, commotio cordis. Um, and, and I mean, any athlete that collapses due, a, due to a heart condition is that immediate cardioversion and the immediate defibrillation.
Um, but uh, I guess we're kind of talking about the, the heart muscle, but let's talk about the rest of the muscles throughout the body. Uh, what, uh, what type of muscles uh, does the uh, aerobic or endurance training build? Yeah. So endurance, and again, I think that was a great uh, overview of those common causes of uh, cardiac death to definitely be aware of uh, when you're covering a game, if this happens, you know, uh, it's definitely a scary thing, but you know, as, as far as you are somewhat, you know, uh, attuned to what may be going on, you could help save a life if this ever does happen when you're around. So uh, definitely make sure you know those. And um, yeah, just to answer your question. So the type of uh, muscle that is built during endurance training is going to be, you know, these type one fibers of, or you get hypertrophy of these slow twitch type one fibers. Um, so you get, you know, an increase in capillary density and mitochondria in these muscles when you, when you train them. And, um, and, and this endurance training, when we talk about this, this is, this is kind of training where you have increased reps and you have decreased tension. So you may not be using as much, if you're doing weight training, you may not be using as much weight, but you may just be going for uh, a, a, a lot of rep repetitions. And again, so this is going to be that slow twitched type one fibers. Now, uh, what type of uh, muscle is anaerobic? You know, when you're doing like, you know, really high uh, strength or resistance training, uh, what type of muscle does that build? And what are some, uh, I guess, different types of uh, anaerobic training? Uh, yes, yeah, so anaerobic training uh, is going to cause a hypertrophy of the fast twitch fibers or the type 2 uh, anaerobic fibers. And these are going to involve uh, more high-intensity, shorter burst of duration uh, and increased uh, workload. Uh, so sprinting, um, the kind of high intensity interval training or some of the CrossFit style workouts, whether or not you agree with how CrossFit does their stuff. <laughs> and then uh, just general weightlifting. So when you're doing uh, three to four sets of eight bench press or squats or, or uh, lat pull downs, uh, that's going to cause more of the hypertrophy of the type two fibers. Um, yep. And talking about weightlifting, uh, what is the difference between kind of an isotonic and isokinetic exercise? Yeah, and, and quick side, I know uh, I just got back into doing some like lifting more weights this week and started squatting. And man, I was sore like <laughs> my legs were sore the whole week. <laughs> so uh, you know, I know, uh, I know, you know, this this exercise stuff is real. Uh, but anyways, to continue on, um, isotonic versus isokinetic. Uh, how I think of it is, if you just look at the last part of the name, uh, tone. If if the tone stays the same, then you have a kind of a constant resistance. But if it's isokinetic or movement. That means you have the same amount of movement, so you have a constant speed. So, again, when you look at isotonic, you these are going to be when you have a kind of a constant resistance. And then when you look a little bit further into this, you can have concentric, um, uh, concentric contraction versus eccentric contraction. And pretty much what that is is concentric contraction is uh, uh, is a muscle shortening versus eccentric is going to be when it when it lengthens. So, say if you're uh, doing a bicep curl, the part of you. Uh, you know, actually curling up is going to be concentric 
uh, is going to be the concentric part of the uh, phase versus if when you're slowly letting the weight down and, and that muscle is elongating, uh, that is going to be eccentric uh, contraction or muscle contraction. And then another thing, because I remember they used to throw these terms around a lot, it was closed chain versus open chain exercise. And I really had no idea what that was. And I think I was listening to like a, uh, uh, we had like a talk and I think one of the physical therapists were coming and talking, they kept mentioning it. I was like, I Googled it. I was like, oh, this is what this is. But anyways, closed chains exercises when you're doing exercises, but your foot is fixed. So it's not moving around. It's, it's in one place versus open chain exercises. Your foot's going to be free. So like an open chain exercise, maybe, you know, those, um, those uh, leg extension machines at the, at the gym versus a, a closed chain exercise, maybe like a, a, a squat where your foot is just staying, staying in place. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly yeah and just to review isotonic means your your tone stays the same so you have a constant resistance and isokinetic is when you have a constant speed and eccentric because they always ask about eccentric contraction this is when the muscle is uh, is lengthening as it contracts and you mentioned you started to mention it a little bit earlier when we were talking about you know atp and energy uh when we we're t discussing about the female athlete triad but uh when, in regards to muscle what are the energy sources for muscle and what's used in like this, you know, in the first couple of seconds versus if you're doing, you know, a long distance, uh, a long distance uh, uh, run or, or some type of exercise or an endurance exercise, what's going to be the energy source then? Um, so the, uh, like talking with the, uh, like the creatine supplementation uh, and helping with the kind of short burst, uh, high intensity exercises, Within the first 10 seconds, that's when the uh, muscles are using uh, the ATP plus the creatine phosphate uh, and in an anaerobic setting uh, to generate energy for muscular contraction. Um, within uh, one to four minutes, that's when you're using the stored uh, glycogen plus the lactic acid, which is I believe called the Cori cycle, C-O-R-I. And that what that does is that's taking the lactic acid that's generated through uh, anaerobic glycolysis from the muscle into the bloodstream, into the liver, that then takes that lactic acid and uh, creates energy from that. And then after about four to five minutes, you're relying on the stored liver glycogen as well as fatty acids from uh, our fat stores in the body and the uh, uh, this question has come up before um, in in terms of uh, what muscles contract first uh, with any sort of exercise and it's uh, always uh, I believe going to be the type one or the slow twitch muscle fibers are the ones that are always activated first within the uh, type two fibers uh, being activated second. So even in a, an Olympic sprinter, when they first start off, the first muscles to be recruited are the type one slow oxidative fibers. But once they uh, have a few revolutions uh, of their legs, it's exclusively type two. Um, but uh, what are the modes of energy utilization between uh, the type two 
A and type 2 B muscles. And I didn't really, I guess I didn't really go into the difference between those two, but uh, so type 1 is the slow oxidative. Type 2A is the fast oxidative or oxidative slash glycolytic. And then type 2B are the exclusively glycolytic muscle fibers. So what's the mode of energy utilization between the um, oxidative slash glycolytic versus the solely glycolytic muscle fibers? Yeah, so that type 2A, the oxidative slash glycolytic, that's going to be, you're going to use anaerobic and aerobic um, uh, measures. That's going to be 2A and then 2B, like you just said, which is kind of just a purely glycolytic. Uh, that's going to be primarily anabolic uh, uh, energy use. So that is what that is. And I think that was a, a good point that you that you brought up and that you made regarding the type 1 fibers being the first fibers to be activated uh, but not to be confused with type two fibers or the fast twitch uh, fibers. But again, type one fibers are the first ones uh, activated. And uh, I think I think that'll be it for uh, general sports. You know, went back to uh, a little bit about med school and a little bit about undergrad with the Corey cycle there. It kind of brought me flashbacks, but uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> we will. Thank you all for listening to that episode. We hope you are learning a lot with these OITE review series. Now, please let us know if you like them, if you don't like them, if you hate them, if you really love them. Nonetheless, let us know your thoughts on these. You can reach out to us at nailedortho at gmail.com or just send us a message on Instagram at nailedortho. Until next time.